0: Person of Interest Podcast, episode number three. Dating tips from Lionel Fusco.
1: You are being watched. An artificial intelligence, a machine protected by government agencies and deadly assassins, is spying on you every hour of every day. We designed this podcast as a means to share information that will aid in discovering and exploiting anything related to bringing down those who will use the machine to harm and exploit others. If you're listening to this podcast, your number has come up
0: and you're part of our team. Welcome back to the Person of Interest Podcast. By the way, I heard the Morse code beeping during the intro there, mm-hmm. Doug. Did you catch it? I, I did. Yep. When you know it's there, it's it's pretty easy to catch now. Translating, it's still a different thing entirely.
1: <laughs> I could have never done it if you hadn't told me
0: what it was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, hello and welcome to Person of Interest Podcast. I'm Daryl, and for the next hour or so, I'm going to try and keep Doug's narco-cowboy nonsense to a minimum.
1: Good luck with that, buddy. (laughs) And I'm Doug, and I'm wearing yesterday's T-shirt.
0: Are you really? Well,
1: uh, not really. uh, I was thinking of wearing my TV talk T-shirt. That would really have been yesterday's.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Thanks for joining us, folks. We are glad to have you here. We're covering Person of Interest Season 4, Episode 3, which originally aired October seventh, two 2014, entitled Wingman.
0: Wingman? Is that the guy that likes the... uh the buffalo, or like the Asian zing, or it sounds like a superhero. Yeah, like the Flash or something. Oh, Because he's got the little yeah. wings, you know. Yeah, maybe it's the guy that that drinks a lot of Red Bull because they give you wings.
1: Well, you know, uh, Red Bull got sued, and uh, now <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, people can get money from uh, from false advertising because yeah. apparently you don't really sprout wings. It's amazing.
0: <sighs> I'm shocked. I this whole time I've been drinking all that Red Bull, expecting to sprout some wings. <laughs> yeah. Well, it doesn't take winged creatures to enjoy this podcast, hopefully. We're so glad you've joined us this week. A fun episode of Person of Interest. Hopefully that translates to a fun episode of the Person of Interest podcast. We can only hope. Yeah. Uh, This episode was entitled Wingman, as Doug just said. And it was written by Amanda Siegel and directed by Fred Toye, we talked about this last week. I always say Toye. I don't know if that's right. It could be. That's toy. fine. If there's an e there, got to do something with it. I got to do something with that e. I don't know what to do with it. Is it supposed to be a silent e or not? I don't know. Yeah. We had a couple of guest stars. We always have the person of interest each week. The the, the number of the week. This week that was Ryan O'Nan who played Andre Cooper.
1: O'Nan the Barbarian.
0: <laughs> that's right and monique gabriella kernan who played captain moreno whom and i guess we're
1: going to see a bit more of as the uh as the season goes on
0: it would certainly appear that we wouldn't she's only credited for the one episode right now but i can't imagine this will be the last time we see her
1: no she did a good job i thought i'd like to see more of her she's she's got uh a little bit of um suspicion and a little bit uh you know, when it's time for an attaboy, she's there for you. So I, I, I liked, uh, I liked the character.
0: Yeah. Although at the, by the end of the season, she's going to be entirely covered in patches from head to toe. <laughs> every, every space piece of free skin is going to be patched. That seems kind of appropriate for a show like this where the, something always needs a patch to keep up to date. I <laughs> mean that's a different but kind of patch. She won't be
1: knee she won't be kneecapped, That's good. <laughs>
0: that's for sure.
1: Just stay away from the, you know, the front of uh of Reese.
0: Yep. Mm. Well, as I said, thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, we love your support by listening to us. We also, if you're so inclined to do some shopping over at Amazon.com, we love your support that way too. You can do all of your shopping over at Amazon.com by simply going to goldenspiralmedia.com slash Amazon. That'll redirect you right there over to Amazon and anything you purchase, will get a little slice of that. And we would certainly appreciate that. You can also check out all the other Golden Spiral Media podcasts by going to goldenspiralmedia.com slash podcasts. And if you want any of the stuff specific to this show, that link is simply goldenspiralmedia.com slash POI. Poi. Poi? Yeah. I just got back from Hawaii. I didn't have any poi while I was there. Is that some sort of cardinal sin I just committed? I have no idea.
1: Okay. I don't even know what it is.
0: I've heard that there are only uh if you like poi you're either lion or you're Hawaiian. That's that's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like um,
1: uh in in Asia there's something called uh, oh and I'm I'm not, I'm forgetting the name of it now, but it's kind of a fruit that they say it smells like uh uh it just it just smells awful, but there are people who will who will love it and just down mm. it like crazy and there's other people who can't get it past their nose
0: yeah well i would have a hard time getting it past the nose probably if it doesn't pass the smell test it ain't going mm. into the mouth
1: yeah some some people say it smells like uh you know like dead bodies or something like that and people will, will kind of <laughs> keep it for days just sitting in a warm you know warm uh, moist and it's just oh it just smells awful that's what they like the best i don't know but anyway.
0: that's no not me man no way well let's talk about uh this episode it was warm in this episode wasn't it a home man alive yes yes Fuscos heating it up yeah and uh reese didn't want to chase anybody because uh, evidently they filmed this on a hot summer day in new york city was there any news that we wanted to talk about though but i guess i'm jumping the gun a little bit did you have any any news you wanted to share
1: Well if you jump the gun you might get kneecapped
0: <laughs>
1: you got a color inside the lines Doug. Absolutely. Person of interest this time was, uh, got a 1.6 rating. That's down two tenths from last week. So, and that's the 18 to 29, 18 to 49, excuse me, demographic. So, uh, a little bit down. Uh, I guess that's to be expected, but I was kind of hoping that it wouldn't, uh, do, uh, quite that much. Uh, 1.6 rating, 9.8 million viewers. Now again, at the 10 p.m. hour, Chicago Fire won the rating, the demographic rating, but in terms of millions of viewers, Percent of interest beat it out by eight, seven, six, five, about a one and a half million viewers. So, um, so in terms of viewers, we're doing pretty good there. Uh, so nine point eight is is pretty decent compared to the rest of the evening. It's about one, two. It's about fourth for the evening. I mean, NCIS pulled in seventeen, NCIS New Orleans pulled in fifteen, mm-hmm. but everything else is pretty much uh, twos and fours. The Voice got nine, which is even under percent of interest. So it was a respectable
0: showing what i uh, What I find so interesting about this rating system is if, if you'll, it sounds like you 've got them all pulled up right there. the flash had a great premiere on the CW and uh, on, on Tuesday night and it had the second biggest premiere in the CW history I think behind the original not the originals uh, the vampire Diaries maybe a few years ago. Um, not sure on that part, but what I am sure of is if you look at the total number of viewers for the flash, it was about half. Of the less total than half less than half okay of uh, the total number of viewers for person of interest so it was like in the four four million range if I remember uh, four, correctly. about
1: four and a half million to person of interest is person of interest 9 point eight yeah okay
0: yeah but their rating which is what matters was a 1.8 I believe where person mm-hmm. of interest was a 1.6 yep
1: Yep, yep. Again, this is all CBS's older demographic. Right. So uh,
0: That's right. And that's what matters. It's the age of the people that are watching more than the number of people that are watching, although both the, do matter.
1: And the people, you know, the people with the disposable income.
0: Right. Yep. Very interesting, though. Although uh person of interest is still doing well, that, that's a good number. It's a good uh, number of viewers. It's a, it's a good rating number as well. I don't think we have anything to worry about anytime soon with this show. At least I hope we don't.
1: No, no, not really. And, I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was 4.4, 4. 4, um, Supernatural 2.8. You know, so, uh, you know, the new uh, sitcom Selfie with uh, Amy Pond.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was, Karen Gillan.
1: Yep, 3.9 million. So, again, we, way down less than half of what uh, CBS was, but but a number of those have a high rating. Some of them don't. Uh, yeah. yeah, Selfie was only 1.1. 1. 1. But anyway.
0: Yeah, very interesting anyway. Well, before we get into our discussion on this week's episode, we did have some feedback that came in to us after we recorded last week that was either about our discussion on Nautilus or about Nautilus itself. So we thought we would tackle that first and then segue into Wingman.
1: that sound good, Dougie? That sounds good to me. We'll cover the uh, old business first and then uh, we'll get the <laughs> Secretary to say when we start the new business.
0: Oh, good. We got Robert's Rules working here for the podcast. I love it. <laughs> Robert would love it too. Well... Doc H wrote in and he says, gents or y'all in case of uh, Karen and uh, um, in case Karen or Clint are on board this week, but well, it's Doug and I, so gents works just fine. Hmm. He says, I liked your review better than the episode this week. Not that the episode wow. was weak, but more that your review was epically strong. Wow. I've never had a podcast episode referred to as epically strong before. I, I appreciate that. Doug, not Doug, doc, doc, too many D's. Um, he says, not gratis. You are totally on your game. Oh, that Daryl. I remember him now. (laughs) I offered him a helicopter flight to the top of diamond head for free. He said he'd rather take a $6 cab ride. Go figure. Sounds like he's been listening to my stuff. I learned yesterday podcast. (laughs) He goes on to say that said your observation about this being a monumental chess game is spot on. But I also think that the assessment falls a bit short. I was thinking the myth arc was something more like life or risk or Stratego or any of the multidimensional multiplayer gaming options available today. How about three-dimensional Star Trek chess? <laughs> no, nah, I, I can't handle three-dimensional Star Trek chess. Can't, you
1: couldn't, uh, couldn't beat Spock at it, no.
0: No way. He says, "My point is that chess is too simple of a label to pin on the current poi." And
1: he's got a good point there. It's it is going to be a lot more, uh, you know. This these are two, you know, AI's going after each other, and so. But you know, chess is about as complex a game as most people uh, can handle most of the time. So,
0: right, very true. Uh, specifically, he said, and you alluded to it, the dynamic between the machines. Samaritan is more powerful, but it does not have the experience Finch's machine possesses or wields. I think that Samaritan is testing the waters, trying to learn what Finch's machine already knows. That's a very interesting observation. Yeah, I mm-hmm. thought about that.
1: Samaritan is, is was just born.
0: Yeah. Uh, he says, I also posit that each semi-sentient supercomputer is... More a reflection of their predominant fleshly or fleshy counterpart, Samaritan is more Greer-like, while the machine is more Finch-like. Samaritan is objective-oriented with power and influence, etc., while Finch's offspring has more of a subjective and humanist foundation. And I concur with that as well. That's very uh, astute. Uh, Doc says, I think the biggest storyline this season will be the seven servers. He's not sure how many there were. I think that's what it was. Okay. I couldn't remember either. I I didn't look it up. Uh, That Root and Shaw managed to embed in Samaritan's home nest cluster. I believe that the machine will hide in plain sight, just like team machine, until the final cliffhanger and then launch all sorts of havoc on the playing field that Samaritan believes it inhabits and dominates. I do not anticipate that Samaritan will evaporate next season like the HR plotline did a year ago, but I do think that the playing field will level and Team Machine will regain some of their previous advantage, mostly because the machine realizes it can't play fair and win. I think actually
1: by the end of the season, I think we do um, deal with Samaritan at that point. I, if it goes too long, I think this, uh, you know, the HR thing was kind of in the back in the background, whereas the Samaritan plotline is right up front. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling that this will resolve by the, uh, uh, the finale. That's, that's mm. my prediction.
0: Okay. Still with Doc here, he says, translation, the machine will subvert Samaritan from within. The few servers it has in the vast net of Samaritan servers will change the way Samaritan thinks, operates, and ultimately directs its subordinate functionaries. However, in the process, the machine will sacrifice some of its sentient humanity and drift closer to the dark side of the finch. It's really dark interesting. Side yeah. Dark side of the finch. Yeah. Hopefully, perhaps Samaritan will absorb the human element it lacks and direct an operation against Greer. Public enema, number one. Uh, sorry about the uh, spell check. Public enemy, number one. Thank you. And then he says, as a screenplay writer, I could perpetuate that myth arc through the November ratings sweep in 2016.
1: (laughs) That's (laughs) quite lengthy. Have
0: you been one? Have you been a writer? Uh, He says, maybe I should retract that. Ask Daryl. I said the same thing about Fringe in 2011. (laughs) And look where it got them. Canceled. And thank goodness I'm not a screenplay writer. There we go. Good job as always. Cheers. Again, that came in from Doc H. Doc, thank you so much. I'll also add that uh, Karen, who's joining us here in the chat room, we're doing this show live, by the way. We'd love to have you join us live. We do it on Thursday nights at 8 o'clock Eastern over at goldenspiralmedia.com slash live. We have it streaming there. There's also a chat room where you can uh, interact with us and other uh, machinists there. Uh, But Karen's here, and she says that the Samaritan is book smart while the machine is street smart.
1: That's a good uh, way to, 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 to give the contrast between the two. You know? mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Very pithy.
1: Well, Red Viking 4 also wrote to us, and he said uh, he was a little uh, more pithy here. He said about your question in the last podcast, did Finch ever let someone choose his or her own path? And we'll catch a little bit of this. Somebody else will talk about this later, too. But he says, I remember Finch letting Shaw choose if she wanted to help or not in her first episode. So there is that issue of, um, of Finch allowing people to join or not, or to take their protection or not, accept it or not. So yeah, there is, there has been some of that. I didn't recall it being, um, spoken overtly, that sort of thing. But yes, he has, uh, he has, by his actions, done that before.
0: Yeah, that's a good, good memory from Red Viking Four. Also, a good memory from Andrew. He says, "I don't set much store by ratings, but I'd give Nautilus ten out of ten letters in Silverpool." And by the way, <laughs> both times I tried to clarify the spelling of Silverpool last week, I got it wrong both times. I, I what I what thought I was saying is not what I thought I was saying. It's Silverpool, two O's. I, I both times I said two L's, like Silverpole. Pole. pole. Like a, like a voting poll. No, two O's, one L, pool, which is what I was saying, but I was with my... In your head. Yeah, I, vo- verbally I was saying pool. Uh, that's how I was pronouncing it, but I was saying like it was poll anyway. Sorry for the confusion if I did confuse anyone. It's silver pool like you have swim in. All right, back to his email.
1: <laughs> we do listen to this after,
0: after we uh, put it up. Sometimes I edit it and I'm like, really, Daryl? That's, that's what you were saying? You're, <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, he says, I really like your observation about the episode itself as a chess match between the two machines. That said, I disagree that previous POIs haven't been allowed their own decisions. As well as I can remember, there's always been some kind of choice involved in them. It's like the old expression about leading a horse to water. But if you can get him to float on his back, you've really got something. (laughs) Maybe. I'm sorry, Uh, go ahead. He says, uh, some notable examples that occurred to me... Uh, in Ghosts, the episode Ghosts, Teresa Whitaker stayed with Finch rather than doing as uh, he said to escape the hitman sent after her. In Trigger Man, Riley Cavanaugh insisted that Annie be saved and it turned out that he had intended to sacrifice himself. And in All In, Lou Mitchell showed up again after he'd been sent off with a fresh identity. And those are all, he's correct on all three accounts there. Uh, He says, and there's more for Finch specifically. Ingram was set on meeting a reporter despite Finch's warning. Dillinger went through with the in-person sale of the laptop again despite Finch's warning. In those cases, and with Claire, Finch was uncomfortable about giving them what they wanted, but he also had to accept their respective choices. Another thing I love about Root giving that reminder to Finch is that it adds merit to sparing Congressman McCourt. The machine understood and accepted Finch making that decision. But enough rambling from me. I've enjoyed TV talk as a part of my POI rounds and I'm glad you guys have continued. And boy, he was just spot on on all that stuff that he remembered. And, and I especially love the Congressman McCourt reference yes. because that was right there at the end of the season, which had significant Impact on where we are at today, because they didn't murder him. They wouldn't. They didn't do you know, it. Yeah. They
1: didn't do what the machine asked them to do. And right. it's kind of. And we saw a little bit of it this week, where the machine, you know, was having um, Root and Finch sell this uh, weapon, and Finch finally just couldn't do it. And and we get some uh, confirmation of that, where Root says she knew you wouldn't be able to do that. You know, so she takes care of uh, she takes care of the issue. But yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it's not a case of the machine. You must do what the machine does, or everything is completely screwed up. It recognizes people's decisions. You know that they're allowed to make
0: exactly. Yep.
1: Well, Bonita wrote us again. She said, "Hi, Doug and Daryl. Yes, Doug's name first, because he's the newest sinking sensation on Golden Spiral Media. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Oh, thank you very much. Reminds me of the fringe podcast heyday with Clint's spontaneous crooning. Doug may not have listened back then. I'm sorry, but he sure is channeling the spirit of that fantastic podcast. So I, so Clint has clearly set the bar here, huh?
0: Oh, Clint is is known for his singing far and wide. <laughs> Already,
1: <Alrighty. laughs> maybe I need to go back and find some of those.
0: Yeah, she
1: goes on. You guys have a great rapport and I'm looking forward to listening in the future with so many fabulous, fabulous GSM offerings. I won't be able to keep up with them all, but this one comes top of the list. Thank you
0: oh, yes, wow. there are a
1: lot. And I just can't hardly keep up with them all myself.
0: I, I it's it's hard. It definitely is. There's so many shows that we've got going on right now, which is so awesome. Uh, we just announced this week we are going to have a podcast for The Walking Dead called The Walking Dead Talk Through. All right. And that uh, first episode should be releasing tonight. We're recording this on Thursday. So um, go check that out. It'll be in iTunes by the time the uh, season premieres on Sunday night. So uh, uh, but you can get it tonight. By the time you're listening to this, it should be available on the website. Goldenspiralmedia.com. Here's the com. sound of
1: my voice. You can get it, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. So
1: that'd be fun. Uh, let me see. Bonita continues also. I have noticed that CBS is making more of their shows available online and through streaming services and apps. Good news for DVR fails or for those that are cable. And from the meditation room of the underground layer of Team Machine,
0: Bonita. Thank you for it. <laughs> I love the sign-off, Bonita. <laughs> Bonita hails from your neck of the woods there. I believe you... Indeed. I have met her. Yeah. As have I. She came to our Fringe finale party back in the day. And oh, then, she uh,
1: she won a a prize uh, that we gave away for uh, during the TV talk days, and so I went and met her and got some pictures. And uh, I don't think we ever used them on the website, but yeah. So uh, yeah, right around uh, very close to our work.
0: Yeah, very cool. Well, I was down in your neck of the woods for DragonCon last year of 2013, and I got to see her during that time as well. Very very nice lady. Thank you, Bonita. All right. Well, that's the feedback we we didn't get to include for last week's episode. And incidentally, while I was reading Doc H's email for last week's episode, his email came in for this week's episode. So we're going to double up on Doc H. I just added him to the show notes. That's how we roll. We, 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 wow. we, we're we doing it live. We've added oh, him in. Man. <laughs> I don't think I can handle it. All right. All right let's uh, let's get into our discussion here about wingman with uh, let's start with our episode ratings. What would you give it, man?
1: i gave it uh, i gave it seven calm and furious egrets nice and my my seven let me explain my sevens right I, so you know my first the first episode was nine last week and eight this week is seven my seven is a is a good solid person of interest episode, not necessarily arc heavy not necessarily a really huge twist and a really you know amazing you know storyline and build up and all that stuff. It's a, it was a good, solid episode. Uh, if you start going below sevens, we have problems. But that's what I'm, that's describing my, uh, my rating there. So seven calm and furious egrets. Or I guess you gotta say it calm and furious egrets. Say with that, uh, that, 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 that,
0: that intensity
1: that that's only Harold right. channeling uh uh John Reese
0: can mm-hmm. do. Yeah, that was fun. We'll, well, I know that's in our show notes to talk about again. So, well, I gave it 7.5 bottles of Two Buck Chuck <laughs> <laughs> for the exact same reasons that you did. I gave last week an 8 i really enjoyed last week i enjoyed this week for for what they both are this was not a a, an arc heavy episode it was fun it had all of our characters and it was what poi is when it's not myth heavy it it is this and these are the types of episodes that i love great writing very humorous well acted that sort of thing but because it wasn't myth heavy i love the myth heavy episodes more i didn't feel like i could give it the eight that i gave last week so i gave it the 7.5 how's that
1: I like it. I like it. We're 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 pretty much, pretty much in line there.
0: Yep. All right. Well, our person of interest this week was Andre Cooper, a professional wingman. If you've ever seen Hitch, he was the Will Smith to Kevin James's Fusco. Which uh, that's a very funny movie in a lot of the same ways. This was a very funny episode. That that's a movie that I don't ever get tired of watching just because it's so funny. <laughs> I I will say though the thing that I did enjoy about this this was because was that. We there were times where we didn't know we we thought at first maybe Andre was the was the bad guy and then we thought oh he's the vic and then we thought oh he's the bad guy oh no he's the vic and the, the way it went back and forth reminded me of early season 1 POIs when we were yes, still trying yes, to yes. figure out what the formula what, what was going to spit out of the fortune cookie at the end of the episode
1: <laughs> you open it up and says you are the perpetrator yeah yeah
0: exactly yeah
1: no that was that, yeah like you said it it gave me those vibes of season 1 I liked it Uh, And there's nothing wrong with, you know, the kind of the POI of the week uh, episodes. They again, they used it to to kind of settle our characters into these new identities. In this case, specifically uh, John Reese, who had to balance being a cop and his machine, his team machine role. And there were some things he couldn't do, you know. We had to get Shaw and Bear for crying out loud, mostly involved with with some of this. Mm-hmm. So I I liked that it was a like I said standard poi, but it did advance the story in that sense where we we've got a you know Fusco is you know he's the inside the inside guy with our inside guy, you know he's he's been there. He is kind of helping to uh, keep the cover, but he's also. You know, he's been comic relief a lot in the past, and he was a, a bit in this one too. He was good, uh, in that sense, but he was, you, you see the serious side of it. Look, buddy, this is my life. You know, you're playing cop, essentially. This is what I do. And you can't just go running off. You know, we're, we're seeing now what, what it was that Finch and Reese were, uh, asking. Of Lionel Fusco and Joss Carter, uh, you know, back in the day, you know, they couldn't just drop everything and do what they were told by the machine or by by Finch. Yeah. They had a job, and so we're seeing we're seeing that play out here.
0: Yeah, and you know, I never even really put it in that context. That's a, I'm so glad you did. That that makes it that much more uh, enjoyable. I think.
1: Yeah, I, I liked the uh, the one thing the chief said was, "Hey, you in the fancy suit," which was, you know man in the suit kind of mm-hmm. thing you're on a team now well right. he's been on a team but he's he's on a different part of the team and he does have to uh you know change his methods for the real world he can't just be the CIA guy one of the things that the uh, the showrunner was was talking about is says we're going to see a little bit in this season how you take a guy like John Reese who's been a CIA operative and he's been in that world and you put him on the streets of New York as a cop and what happens well you know so he's knee-capping these guys from range and that's just not what you do you know you don't just shoot everybody who's running away from you mm-hmm. so he's learning that and there's you know lady says well this guy looks like he might be on crutches for the rest of his life you know and i don't know if there's a, if that would uh, generate a lawsuit or something like that but uh, you know this is not what a cop does so you know got to tone it down dude
0: yeah i wouldn't have reprimanded him because the guy might walk with crutches the rest of his life i would have reprimanded for discharging his firearm in a crowded place. There were people scrambling all around him and that's all around him and all around the perp. Yeah. More, more, more importantly, the perp. Yeah. So the the scene though, with the police captain, that was her introduction to her. Uh, it was, it was pretty good. It it led to so many different things, but the, that, that I, that conversation that she had where she's scolding them and then, um, Hey, you in the fancy suit, like you just said, you know, you're on a team now. Great. Just some good stuff. Great humor from the very beginning.
1: Well, we get the, uh, we get our, our new number and it's, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of, again, we're back in our old groove. Finch has got the new number. Don't really know how he's getting him at this point, but, uh, but he brings, he brings up, uh, Andre Cooper and they find out what he does and they're trying to figure out, you know, how they can get near him to be, to, you know, to see whether he's, whether he needs protection or is the guy that they need to protect other people from. And I love how they kind of figure out who's going to be the one that's, uh, that's going to be his client or something like that. And yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It, it, it just, j- just the choice. As I, as I was reading this, uh, the, the press release about this last week in the last episode, all you needed to know is Fusco gets a professional wingman. I mean, that's just, just. That tells you all you need to know, really. Yeah. I mean, I, yes, Fusco has been comic relief, and he has been, had some of the classic lines. I mean, I mean, not, he hasn't been really featured for those lines, but he has been just, a, when he gets them in, he gets really zingers. And yeah. this was great, you know, when he, in this one, we'll uh, you hear him say at one point, I'm not a, a unicorn and rainbows kind of guy. Right. Not, not funny on its, on its own, but with Fusco saying it. You know, it's just, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a laugh line, like, uh, like unlike anything else.
0: And he had to be the one, I mean, for the first few seasons, we always kind of looked at him as kind of the, not a putz, a putz is, is really being a little too harsh, but you know, he was just kind of the guy, there wasn't anything yeah. great about him. He was, he was easy to dump on and he was, you know, kind of the dirty cop trying to be good. So there wasn't anything that you looked at him and said, yes, he's the the pillar of anything. Uh, That really changed last season, but still, he's the the guy that's perfect for this. I mean, John looks great in a suit. He has a very nice suit, as was pointed out in in the very beginning of the episode there, although he's rough around the edges, so you could see him working with a wingman for that reason. But the rest of them, not really so. I mean, the ladies clean up really nice. Finch is always well dressed and 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 manicured and tailored and put together and uh and, and it would have seemed kind of out of it anyway for him to try to be even even under a a, a fictional purpose to be out there trying to pick up ladies because we know his heart belongs with somebody else. So it just seemed perfect in in every way that Fusco would be the guy who they need to set up with the wingman in order to to get the cover um you know set up.
1: And it worked. It, it really did work. It really did, uh, yeah. You know, and it was nice that they had kind of Shaw shadowing him, just to make sure that you know if when he did need help, and and that way you have two two eyes on the uh, on the number. But you know he's like uh, talking about uh, you know you're wearing yesterday's yesterday's suit, and and Shaw's like, oh yeah, that is yesterday's suit. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute.
0: So you know, and I don't wear suits ever. Uh, the last time I wore a suit was at a funeral, probably two years ago, and that and the last time before that was probably a funeral six to eight months before that. I, that. That's the only time I wear a suit. I used to have a job where I used to have to wear a tie and slacks every day. And so I had more suits in my closet and stuff for that. And then now that I work from home, I, I wear shorts and barefooted, you know, and t-shirts all day long. So I have no use for a suit in, unless I'm going to a funeral or a wedding, but, and even weddings, I don't wear a suit to anymore. So, maybe with, I, I say all that because I looked at Fusco and they were talking about, hey, you need to get your, you know, you need to get, get your, your suit is all terrible. Even if, even if it was yesterday's suit, I thought, look, he looks good to me. I mean, looks he's looks, yeah, yeah. He's got the tie on, the suit. But I will say that once the uh, wingman got a hold of him, I was like, oh, yeah, he does look much nicer now. There's, there is a difference there. There, not that I can't tell the difference between a good suit and a, and a suit that's tailored and one that's not, but, I didn't think I didn't think anything of it until the wingman got a hold of him, and I and I thought, wow, that that makes a big difference. You don't really know
1: what you're missing until you get the good stuff, you know. And then, that's oh, right. Then you can yeah. go go back to the old stuff. Well, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Although I wonder who was paying for that. I wonder if, if uh, Finch ended up paying for all that because that was I had to be expensive stuff on a policeman's salary. If he's on, uh, if
1: he's on, he's in the charge of Team Machine. If he's doing it for them, yeah, I think. Uh, I think uh, Finch should uh, should pop for the uh, for the new threads.
0: I would think so too. Of course none of them really have any money right now and not even not even Finch at this point in the episode. Uh we learn that Team Machine is having to actually live on their actual paychecks and even with the new money that we have at the end of the episode They they can't go out and start living these out of character lives because then that's going to be a trigger for Samaritans. So it'll be I think they'll have more money that they can use in discreet ways. But I still think that our team is actually going to be eating ramen noodles and and uh, beans for a while to to try to not blow their cover.
1: We won't see John Reese in a Tesla anytime soon.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Now, now, one thing I noticed that you know during all of this, while they're all dealing with uh, with Fusco, Reese is having to cover for him. Yeah. You know, we still have the issue where okay, Reese may not be running off and doing Team Machine stuff, and he uh, you know and having to 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 cover for with the chief for that. So Fusco is is busy; he can't get pulled off of that, and so uh, Reese is trying to you know deal with uh, some of the actual cases that they have, um, you know, on their on their docket. And he's got, but it, it seemed to me like he's getting, given all the information he was coming up with, it seemed to me, I wasn't really overt, but I thought that maybe Finch was feeding him information so that he could close mm. some of these cases. That was the impression I got. Like I said, it wasn't actually said. We didn't see Finch doing it. We didn't hear anybody say it, but that just got me the, to the point where and enough of those kind of things happen. He he you solved this one, he solved that one and, and whatnot. There was a great uh situation where the uh the chief in the in the hearing of the suspects tells Reese that he's he better do something you know, kind of you know, threaten him in one way, and so she's almost playing the bad cop while not actually being in the face of the uh of the suspects. And you do a little good cop with bad cop with that, and he does some interrogating uh, of the employees of that one murdered boss and you know, so he gets the the two guys against each other, and they they each you know give up give up the information. So I mean, so here's Reese again. He's he this is him in the real world, and he is starting to uh, work his way into that and and get more comfortable in his uh, in his new identity. And I, th- I think he did a good job with that. Uh, but like I said, I think he might be cheating a little bit with the. Uh, I just think Finch was was tossing him some information. I don't know how much of a information guy he is in terms of you know looking it up on the systems and 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 tracking that all down because finch was the guy who did that before mm-hmm. so that's why i had the idea that that may be where it's coming from
0: mm. well i i didn't have that idea and I, I can i once you put it in that those terms i maybe he was i took it as this guy was a special ops guy now that special ops are different from police detectives in new york city but at the same time He's skilled in interrogation, he's skilled in reading body language, and he's good at connecting dots. You know, those those are skills that are going to transcend both of those roles. And so I took it as he's got these skills that he has employed in his previous life. He doesn't use all of those now with Team Machine, but he, he drew upon those skills and put them to you know he was a Superman if you will if if, if a cop is a is an average Joe in this scale of of you know escalating scale then a, a special ops is a superhero so I just felt like it was showing that he's got these these great skills that he's acquired with his with his history that he was able to put to some good use I loved the good cop bad cop I thought the same thing he's using the chief as the bad cop. You know, she was in on it. He says, "You want to help," and then she did what she did. But that was all that she had to do. And and, and then he used one of the oldest tricks in the book, where you he say, "Hey, your partner said this," you know, and they fell right for it. I loved it. I thought it was that was good. And and I don't know that he needed any any info or intel from from uh, Finch on on that one because it was just a a tactic that is pretty old. But I enjoyed it, regardless of where he was getting his intel from, whether it was from Finch or it was just his own instincts. It was good.
1: Well, back with the number here, one of the things that really stood out to me while they were dealing with him was that there was kind of a, a, of a shadow going on. There was somebody keeping an eye on Andre, mm-hmm. and Shaw takes a little time out to take him out. But in the, during that confrontation, she gets a kind of a cut to the arm. I think he pulls out a knife at one point, mm-hmm. and she gets a cut to the arm, and all of a sudden, it's, you know, Shaw in beast mode. <laughs> and wow, you know and, and then you takes them out very quickly, and then before she drags the body off, ditch the shoes because you know you gotta you gotta have you can't drag a body off in heels clearly. Well, i've
0: I've never tried um i don't know, maybe you can give us a first hand account of, of what that's i i'm like. not
1: saying that I know myself but oh, okay. if okay. if i'm to if I'm to believe her and i'm and i'm ten too you just don't do it in heels. You just it either ruins them or or you just can't. You not not enough leverage, I guess.
0: Yeah. It was when she took those heels off and she went flat-footed. I know that she is short. The actress that plays her is is short, but I was like, "My goodness, how short is she?" And I actually googled, "How tall is Sarah Shahi?" She's like 5'4". Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, when she went flat-footed, then that that really uh because you, you could just see it was such a huge difference in her height but you know <laughs> you got to be more effective with with I I don't know how women do it in heels to be honest with you my my hats off to you ladies who who can operate and do run in heels and do all you do in heels because I would be a even more of a blundering fool if I tried it
1: and Andre you know he made a good point when he was talking to Fusco about dressing up you know mm-hmm. hey the ladies do this and one of the things he mentions is high heels you know do you think it's it's uh, it, it's comfortable in those things you know You know, they do it for you. You need to, you know, step up for them. So that was, that was a great little, uh, little combination there.
0: That was a good point. Yeah. I have to admit, I was like, dang, I've really thought about that. Maybe I shouldn't wear shorts (laughs) and t-shirts all day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Shaw is, is taking all these guys out. She's got bear with her. Now I was following the, uh, the Twitter account for bear, the dog, bear, the Honda. Yes. And, uh, and I, I've since found out he is an official. Uh, it isn't just somebody else, uh, messing around. It's actually an official, uh, Twitter account for, uh, for the show. At that point, he tweets all night, but, uh, he tweeted, and this is a translation. It's a Google translation from Dutch because he speaks Dutch. All of his commands are in Dutch. So he tweets in Dutch. And so I throw it through Google Translate. So the sounds a little funny, but he said at this point, me and beautiful hammer lady. I love that description. He talks about, Ah, uh, Finch as bespeckled man, and uh, Reese as tall man, beautiful hammer lady, on the hunt. I will help you find funny cop if you help me find elusive rodent later. <laughs> We're just trying to get the rats out of the uh, the subway there. Yes. Yeah, funny cop. Yeah, there it is. It's comic relief, but. Uh-huh. He had a good. He had, he did a great job this week.
0: And that's just a you know kind of breaking through the third wall a little bit of this show when we get to follow the the Twitter account of a fictional character, a, an animal nonetheless. It's on the show. <laughs> yes, it's tweeting out into the real world. I mean, that's that's one of the things I love most about this show is is the way that they they give us that little. And, and most people. I don't even think are aware, aware of that if there's have listened to this podcast, even since last season on TV talk then they are, but you know, because it's not like POI writer's room, for example. So it's, it's yep. a great little nugget that's out there. And I'm and glad uh, you always update us.
1: Oh yeah. I got I, I keep, I, I mostly during the, uh, he does that tweets during the commercial breaks. So i like to see what he's, uh, what he's been saying, but, yeah. uh, um, they, they, and they live tweet all the time this week. Uh, they had bear tweeting, uh, uh, Sarah Shah, he was tweeting and Fusco and the, and the, and the actor's name is eluding me now. Uh, Kevin Chapman. Kevin Chapman were all, well, well actually he, when he's tweeting about person of interest, his actual Twitter idea is P-O-I Fusco.
0: That's right. That's so,
1: right. uh, but he, but they were all, all three of them were live tweeting this week. Uh, last week, I believe, um... Oh, for crying out. Michael Emerson and his wife, Carrie Preston, mm-hmm. were tweeting from, uh, they would, I think they, uh, okay, Carrie's got a, uh, a Twitter handle. Michael Emerson does not. But, uh, uh,
0: okay. Okay. But
1: they were both tweeting off of her, uh, her account. So th- th- there's a lot of that going on. So it's mm-hmm. great to follow
0: during the episode. And didn't you say that Sarah tweeted you back this week? Yes.
1: As a matter of fact, and, and it wasn't even, I wasn't, it wasn't a, uh, I wasn't fishing for it or anything like that. I had, to uh, tweeted just before the about you know five minutes before the episode i said uh getting prepped for podcasting taking notes for hashtag person of interest and uh and then later on i see in my notifications it says you know sarah shah he has, he has you know replied at poi podcast gsm hashtag don't blink hmm. so you know i said i replied i said oh i don't plan to <laughs> and then I i mentioned the fact that very interesting doctor who reference but i really don't think she's a whovian
0: yeah she may not realize that she uh she tapped into a a, a, <laughs> a one of the best doctor who episodes of all time with that we might have a po a, a poi we might have a doctor who podcast by that name as a matter of fact
1: well yeah yeah might be that yeah. may be true
0: yeah well let's see where are we at here with with what's going on um are we at the point now where they're at where, where Fusco and uh yeah because Fusco and Andre they do eventually get themselves uh captured and and uh taken to the docks which is not a not not a good thing you think and of course they're going to get out of it but they're probably going to take a few punches in the process and that's exactly what happened. And then they get put in the container and the heat again came into into play in this episode, which made me wonder really, was this one of those hot days in days in New York and that they worked it in for that reason or why why else bring the heat into the into the episode?
1: Yeah, and it was a it was a classic uh, you know, bad guy mistake here. we mm-hmm, We're mm-hmm. we're going to put you in this container and ship you off to who knows where. Look, um Mr. Bond, I'm going to place you in a container. I'm going to suspend it from a rope. I'm going to light a candle underneath it. And in, in the water below are man-eating sharks. And they will, you know, oh, for crying out loud, just kill the guy if you, that's really what you're trying to do. <laughs> oh, man. I, somebody, I think I saw somebody else tweet that. Boy, he's bonding them to death. You know, James bonding yes. them. Yeah, right. Let me monologue
0: so that you have time to prepare your escape.
1: <laughs> I'm monologuing. Oh, for crying out loud.
0: We watched, um, there's a, do you ever watch Phineas and Ferb? I have
1: seen a few episodes, yes. Yeah.
0: Well, there is a, it's called Lost in Danville. It's an episode that aired last week written by Damon Lindelof. Oh, wow. And so there's Phineas and
1: Ferb, really?
0: Yeah. And so there's a few lost nods here and there to it. (laughs) But at one point. There's a uh, this is great. There's a uh, Captain Mystery might be his name or or um, uh, yeah something Mystery and he's wears all black so he's the Man in Black okay. and he's voiced by Terry O'Quinn. <laughs> yeah, and and he's got and his nemesis and he's disappointed because his nemesis is also the nemesis of. of Dr. Doofenshmirtz. And Doofenshmirtz is like, you know what your problem is? You're not monologuing enough. You have to tell them why they should hate you. You need to monologue more often. (laughs) And I love the way that the show pokes fun at itself and at other other stories. That's exactly what we had here. But you know what I did love about this was that the cufflinks came back into the story. You know, Andre had done such a good job.
1: It's Chekhov's (laughs) cufflinks. You know, it's Chekhov's gun where you... you showed in the first act. It means you have to use it in the third act, and you can't use it in the third act unless you've shown it in the first act. Chekhov's, Chekhov's cufflinks.
0: I love it. I love it. Yes. <laughs> ah, good, good. And I'm glad C you on caught them, that. Yes, yes, yes. Well, uh, they they do get loose, but they can't get out of the container, of course, until until uh, their hero shows up, Reese, and because uh, oh. he
1: was off duty now.
0: Yeah exactly yeah and well Bear the Hound or Bear Bear the Bear uh Bear the, Bear the Hound uh, also played a pivotal role in tracing the the uh, uh conveniently dropped Fusco uh lapel oh, yeah. uh, napkin yes. thing that was in his that was Wait, in his new suit was that,
1: was that a napkin it was almost like a, i was i was thinking was that an
0: ascot or handkerchief it was either a handkerchief or an ascot yeah i couldn't think of handkerchief when well, i said napkin.
1: ascots around the neck right i don't know i
0: think ascots are around the neck so it probably okay. was uh, the handkerchief but yeah handkerchief. Okay. that was convenient too If again if he hadn't had the new fancy suit wouldn't have happened
1: well, it was very obvious because it was purple. That suit right. had a lot of purple in it. Yeah. Do
0: you have a lot of lavender and purple uh, clothing items sitting around for yourself?
1: Mm, no. I got one t-shirt that's purple, but that's about it.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't think I have anything purple. I'm not against purple.
1: No. Most of my suits are blue. Mm-hmm. And from and from the, um, you know, 80s. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we'll just start calling you Leisure Leisure Suit Larry. Le, leisure oh, leisure man, Suit man. Doug.
1: Yeah, well... You know, I, well I, There was one point, and and I I put this in the notes that Shaw finds a fella that I thought for the for a second really reminded me. It was dark, you know, in the uh, in the port there. So I thought, is that Collier? But uh, no, it wasn't. I I, Mm. it was just one of the you know the the guys who was uh, you know doing the doing the bad stuff. But I I kept thinking about that. You know, we really would be interesting because I can't imagine the vigilance just went poof. Just it would be interesting to see. Get at least a little denouement, you know, for of that particular uh, that group, that storyline, realizing that they've mm-hmm. been duped. And I would think that would make him madder than ever. Right.
0: You would think so. Being that they went duped, I don't think they would be called vigilance anymore because vigilance was created by... Maybe they call it really peeved.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the really
0: <laughs> peeved group of peeved people. Um but you I wouldn't be surprised to see call your show up i I had the vibe too though Doug, that once we got to the docks and Fusco was free and you had Shaw and uh Reese and Fusco there, you just had the feeling that that all this all these things could tie into a bigger picture at large and while it did turn into the homicide that uh Reese was investigating then that was a cool little mm-hmm. uh, two in one payoff um it didn't seem to really pay off in a in a bigger way where it tied into to the machine versus Samaritan storyline. And I thought that it might, but I was certainly they've okay they've done that, that it before. Didn't.
1: That's you know that's a classic uh, thing with mm-hmm. they have uh, the machine. The number has something to do with something else that the cops are dealing with, and it all comes back together. So we've seen we've seen that kind of thing before. And yeah, it, but it wasn't a really huge. Bang, and, uh, you know, that, that's, that's part of the, uh, the seven I gave it. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to tie that all back together. And Fusco gets the KO right. at the end. Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, he, absolutely. he earned it.
0: That's for sure. So, did you notice once they get back to the station, the captain's giving them, you know, the attaboys, the pat on the back, all that stuff. She now has three or four patches. Like, she's up to another patch, I think. I think that was at that point. But at some point, she started out the episode with one. The next time we saw her, she had two patches. And then the next time we saw her, we had, I, she had three I patches. That. I mean, she still kept growing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, man. I wonder how much. I mean, I know that. Uh, I know that Sherlock uses those occasionally, but uh yeah, I don't know. You gotta get, be careful uh-huh. with those
0: things, I would think. I would think you would too. You don't want to overload <laughs> yourself, but I don't know. So do you do we like the new captain? Do we want to see more of her? Do you, is this are you satisfied if this was the last time we see of her for a long time? What are your feelings on I
1: like I like uh, the way they played her. I think that it was is really good. I think that they will we won't see her so much because her purpose in this episode was to Give Reese a reality check. This is your job. You got to do it, even though she didn't realize that's what she's doing. So I think Mm -hmm. that's. I think we will not see her as much. Uh, Maybe you know, maybe later on. But because we've been introduced to her and we've gotten to know her a bit, I mean, why bother with the whole patch thing if if that is not if we're not going to go back to her and that's going to be part of her personality, that sort of thing? Why give her a personality if we don't care anymore? So I think we are going to come back, just not as much.
0: I think it may depend also on how often we, or how much time we spend at the station, which could be a lot since I mean, obviously Fusco works there, but even with Reese working there now, Fusco's always been a B character. Reese, obviously not. So with Reese working there, that could lend itself to more time at the police station and therefore more time with the uh, the new captain. But I, you know, like I said on IMDb, they only had her listed for one Hmm. episode, but. Not that IMDb is the uh, the be all end all to no, all information do, yeah. on all shows, but <laughs> <laughs> exactly keeper of all knowledge. Yes, glad oh, we got yeah. that cleared. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll see her again, though. I just don't know how often.
1: Well, I I liked I liked the the B story that they brought in because that really was more uh, arc heavy. It was understated as much you know for as much uh, or less than the A story, but it was. It was number one. It was a great pairing with Finch and Root, you know the the uh, the person of interest, odd couple essentially, and the yeah. the idea that he was com- flying completely blind. I mean, he didn't have whatever she's got in her ear, or however he, or however the machine is now talking to her. She said it's different now, so we don't know exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's you know high frequency Morse code, but so I I, I really loved loved that whole thing, especially when. The first time a uh, an emissary from the Latvian, or oh, no, I guess this is the guy who is selling them the the grenade launcher or whatever the rocket was, the anti tank rocket, mm-hmm. and he has to he is addressed as Mister Egret, another bird, right? Love it, and he falls into this persona they has to create right, you know, at the drop of a hat, and I think they did a fantastic job with that. My My take was Finch channeling Reese, you know, I like he's like he's trying to copy him. Uh You know, it wasn't it wasn't like his own thing. It was like, well, the only, you know, guy I know who would could, you know, be like this and whatever is is Reese. So I've got to is John. I got to figure out how John. How would John say it? That was great.
0: Yeah, I loved it, too. He did such a good job. Michael Emerson did such a good job as well. By the way, so I when we heard the name egret, I thought, hmm, I don't know much about that bird. I'm going to look it up, and there was a lot of things that I found interesting. Uh, they were once an endangered species, or at least um, part of them were, and because there are different types of egrets, and they have made a strong comeback. And I thought, well, that that's a parallel possibly that you could be you know read into our our heroes. Um, but this is what I got. I, I probably got this from the uh, the great be-all end-all of information, uh, Wikipedia. I don't remember exactly. I'm not. No, nah, maybe not. It doesn't matter. Th- this is what it says. Uh, great egrets, That's a type of egret. Seem to, to be like lousy egrets. I know, right? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Mediocre egrets. <laughs> uh, Seem to be unfazed by habitat loss on a localized scale even in extremely altered landscapes like the Everglades. Hmm. Since great egrets are large, very mobile birds with flexible habitat preferences, environmental changes may be affecting them at a larger scale that has yet to be studied. So there's, there's still that caveat in there, but they don't seem to be affected by environmental changes. And I thought, hmm, maybe that's why they chose this bird, because they've had their environment change, but... They are still standing strong.
1: Well, well, the mixed metaphors. Uh, you know, Finch was a fish out of water, and this was, you know, a, a habitat that he was not used to uh, inhabiting. So, yeah, I, I can see how that actually works real well with this.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And I mentioned last week we we talked about uh, you know the upcoming episode, and we didn't recognize any of the uh, the names, the guest stars, uh, the actors. None of the actors' names jumped out. I said, "Well, there's Jump and Jerry. That jumps out." And that's what he was called, Jumpy Jerry. And we found him. We met him, and he was a little, you know, little, uh, you know, a little too much coffee or something. He's the guy they're going to sell to. And uh, again, you know, uh, Finch turns on the tough guy image, and he seems a little well at the beginning. He was taken aback, and so Jerry's like, "You don't seem like this, you know, really bad guy." That I, and so he he brings it on, and uh, <laughs> uh, it was it was great to to watch it just turn on, turn off, you know. Clap on, clap off.
0: Yeah, when they do get to the the place to make the actual exchange, he's asked again to kind of go into character. And they're like, We're You know, you kind of we haven't heard from you before. You're kind of new. What's what's the story?" And and now he's he's having to perform for not just the lackey, but the guy who's head of this little mob, you know, division or or whatever. The
1: Latvians.
0: Know. Yeah. So. Uh, Pulled it off though. I was a little bit concerned that he wasn't going to be able to. They weren't going to buy it, and but uh, for the sake of our story, they did.
1: And but at one point, of course, Finch just you know he's he's kind of downcast for a while, and they're kind of wondering about him again. And he's like, "I'm sorry, I just can't do this." Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like, "Oh my goodness, is he going to blow this whole thing?"
0: Right. Well, he did. I mean, at least he, he He reneged on the deal, you know. He took he took that down and um but the machine knew that he was going to make that decision and root was prepared for it. How and, awesome and was that?
1: that again, it kind of validates what um I forget who it was with the with the feedback earlier. I guess uh I can't remember who, but we're not taking out the congressman The machine knew that was going to happen and can handle it in the same way. He used this line before, a line I'm not willing to cross. He used that, I believe it was the exact same line regarding the congressman. I think you're right. Yep. And so that's the, uh, you know, again, we're seeing the machine knows who it's talking to and puts people in that that situation and expects them to act like they should act. And that's a uh, that's a that That's part of its plan, I knew you were going to say that,
0: yeah <laughs> that's right, and you know if if he ever decides not to bend his own rules or become less predictable then that will probably put him in danger because the machine hasn't been able to fully predict his behavior
1: yeah if he if he changes his principles or act doesn't act uh, according to them yeah that'll that'll uh, that'll throw the whole thing for a loop
0: right exactly
1: and so we wind up with a cache of arms and (laughs) cash a cash and cash cash. a cash that's right yeah i've heard of cash and carry but this is cash and cash thank you
0: well and that's exactly what they needed they have to live off the grid in a very analog system in every in every way cash was their only option at this point
1: yeah you can't do anything uh Electronically,
0: yeah, and I was thinking, you know, because they do need money, and I'm trying to think of this at, throughout the episode. How, they gotta get money at some point this season. They have to get money, and for whatever reason, I I wasn't thinking. They would get bags of cash, which seemed so obvious when we got bags of cash. I was thinking, that makes me think of Woot, by the way, and they're bags of crap. So yes. pe- people call it different <laughs> things. Uh, if they sent out bags of cash, I would buy from Woot more often. Um, yeah, it's only five bucks. Yeah, know, exactly. Free shipping, free shipping yeah. uh, or five-hour shipping. But anyway, the uh, the bags of cash, I was thinking they were going to need to set up a system uh, like we've seen played out in various movies before where we're just going to suck you know, five cents off of this every transaction and it's going to come into this bank account and it'll fly under the radar because it's these super small transactions, but it'll be a whole bunch of them. Um, but you know what? It makes a whole lot more sense this way. Even even that type of small transaction, it, the machine seems like it would have picked up on that or be, yeah, be looking yeah. for that because of that. So uh, I like that they got the bags of cash.
1: And they mention specifically at the end. Uh, Finch asks, "Root, so what do we do with this? The anti-tank missile?" Mm-hmm. And Root's like, "Well, I'll just hang out and see what happens." So this is kind of like a <laughs> beginning of the season. Chekhov's gun. It um, is Chekhov's anti-tank missile. Right. So we've got to use it at some point. We've we've shown it, and not just shown it. We've actually referred to it. What do we do with this now? I don't know. Well it's going to be back at some point it's got to there's
0: be. no question and for those of you who still might be confused about we, we referred Chekhov's cufflink earlier Chekhov's you know it's known as Chekhov's gun and I only found out what it was called like last year sometime but that that's that principle that you show a gun in the first act you have to use it by the third act and and in this case we're talking about acts of the episode with the cufflinks but mm-hmm. acts of the season when it comes to this missile and I, I I'm i so glad you 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 pointed that out because I, I think that's exactly it. And the converse you know, is
1: true too. You can't use something in the third act that you never showed up right. until that point.
0: And then it's, Cause then it's like, th- then you have Deus ex machina. You have this yes. thing just gifted to you out of nowhere and the audience goes, come on, you know? <laughs> uh, so yeah, sometime next spring we'll probably get some nice missile action.
1: So keep this in the back of your mind.
0: Yeah, Exactly. Well, it was fun. It was it was hilarious. It we did get some mythology a little bit there with the the Finch and Root story, which was so good. Those two together are always fantastic. And and I think
1: uh, I think we're getting a good combination, a good rapport, chemistry with Reese and Fusco. Mm-hmm. Talk like I said, I I, I talked about uh, Finch and Root being the odd couple, but these two guys too. I mean, we have a pair of odd couples here. They are so different. Yeah. And up until this point, actually, uh, in, in, especially in the first season, a bit in the in the second and third as well, Reese has kind of talked down to Fusco, especially when he had him over a barrel after he was a dirty cop. Mm-hmm. But now they're on even footing. So again, all across all these seasons, across all these episodes, there has been an organic change to their, uh, their relationship. And it's just going to be interesting to see that, you know, f- Reese can't really talk down to him anymore. He's got, he is, he, they are equals. They, in terms of, you know, the, the jobs they do and all that stuff, they're both really doing two jobs, the machines and the, uh, the police. Yeah. So I I like that. I really like that, that combination. So those two are going to be a great, uh, a great couple to see uh, how that works out.
0: Definitely. A little bit of odd couple work in there. Very good. All right. Let's see. I need to scroll down on my notes to see where we're at. Ah, we are at surveillance in the news, and I haven't looked at this. I'm going to be surprised with the listening audience to see what you have for us this week.
1: Well, I actually got this. Uh, I got a couple of uh, of leads from a now. I don't know who's who the person is, who their name, what their name is, but from Twitter, the uh, handle is pellucid. Oh yeah, and yeah, him. And he, uh, he sent me one. This is a, an article from BuzzFeed. Normally that's like clickbait or something like that, but this is an actually interesting, <laughs> right. informative bit of news. The headline is, New York City Kills Hidden Phone Booth Devices. Okay. All right. So New York City is forcing an outdoor advertising company to remove hundreds of devices that can be used to push advertisements to mobile phones and can help track users' locations. Hours after BuzzFeed News exposed the devices, which are hidden in payphone booths around Manhattan.
0: That is awesome. No, <laughs> oh, it's a machine. Yeah, I mean, not awesome for reals. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah, really, the tie-in is amazing. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. A
1: Spokesman for New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio told BuzzFeed News that City Hall has asked Titan, which owns the rights to sell ads in thousands of phone booth kiosks, Advertising displays to remove them from their phones. The beacons will re- be removed over the coming days. The uh, spokesman mm. said. Uh, they also defended they? the city's relationship with Titan, though, which is part of a program to turn obsolete payphone kiosks into contemporary communication hubs. So they're trying to do some upgrading here and uh, make those uh, still relevant, so to speak, mm-hmm. in today's uh, smartphone world. Mm. So that was that was very interesting. And, and basically, they're using a. Um, well, let's see here. Titan has been an important city partner in helping expand communication options for New Yorkers from piloting free public Wi-Fi to providing free calls on all its pay phones across the five boroughs for three weeks after Hurricane Sandy. Uh, while the beacons Titan installed in some of its phones for testing purposes can't receive or collect any personally identifiable information, uh, they've asked Titan to remove them. There's a There's also an app you could use to have it push ads to your phone. I'm not sure what the... Uh, app did otherwise. There was an opt-in, uh, permission for that. And you also had to have Bluetooth enabled. So there was the, 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 beams and the, you know, the beacons only pushed those things to people with the app, but it would still track where people were based on, um, on their cell phone, uh, you know, where the cell phones are. So, so they're turning all that stuff off. But yeah, payphones and the, the kiosks, there are still, uh, they're around, but they're trying to bring them into the 21st century. Yeah. So be careful when you walk by one of those things, even if it's ringing, especially if it's ringing. Yeah,
0: especially if it's ringing. You might get some sort of alphanumeric droning voice sending you on a mission that you may or may not be prepared for.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks. And if you have any surveillance in the news, go ahead and tweet them to us or send them in feedback or that whole bit. We'll get to the ways to get in touch with us at the end there. But uh, he tweeted him to my personal uh, Twitter account, at Doug Payton. But also at POI Podcast GSM as well. Or, you know, just a regular uh, feedback on goldspiralmedia.com slash feedback.
0: Mm-hmm. Any of those work? Well, speaking of feedback, you ready to dive into the stuff we got for this week's episode? Why, sure. Um, I think we have a new listener this week. Do you want to take it or shall I take hers? Uh, I'll take it. This is Karen Lindsay. Never heard of her. Oh, okay. Uh,
1: I, I, it sounded familiar, so I
0: thought maybe you'd oh, you. Oh, know, you. I'm sorry. It just got. She's that that girl you did uh, the 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 Chester's Mill Gazette with, isn't oh, she? Oh,
1: yes, yes, yes. The paper yeah, thing. The paper yes. thing. Yeah.
0: By the already? way, congratulations! Uh, Under the Dome got renewed for an additional season yes. today.
1: So we will be back. Karen and I will be back next summer. Yes.
0: All right. Looking forward to it already.
1: Well, Karen wrote to us in the Facebook group. We have a Facebook group out there for Person of Interest Podcast. Search for that. That's probably the easiest way to to find it rather than trying to remember some long URL. She said, Amanda Siegel is truly one of the show's best writers. Mm -hmm. So she's the one that wrote um, Wingman. Right. And she lists a few uh, examples here. Witness, which had Elias. Legacy, which was the Reese Carter. I think that was... one of The the three-episode arc where Carter ends up dying in that one? Okay. I think so. Uh, Relevance, the episode Relevance, which introduced us to Shaw. Mm. Zero Day, which introduced mm. us to Decima. Mm. A House Divided with Collier, and she said to name a few, and now Wingman. And those are great all humor. good episodes. Oh, they were fantastic, yes. Uh, great humor in this one. More kneecapping. Probably one of my favorite scenes ever with John and Fusco. Loved it. And then she had a, a little... Uh, uh, this, uh, a conversation between uh, Moreno and Reese, where Moreno says, What is that, the third or fourth guy you kneecapped this month, Riley? And Reese says, Fourth, ma'am. And Moreno says, I suppose I should give you points for being such a good shot. And then Reese has this self satisfied smirk that fades kind of quickly because, you know, she's really kind of,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, busting him for it.
0: It was sarcasm, Reese need to pick when I was, this is funny to me. Hopefully it will be to you too. Uh, I, I play, I enjoy playing golf. I am terrible at it. I only play like once a year, but I, I do enjoy it. I, if I could afford it, I would play more often and probably, um, 10 years ago, uh, probably eight to 10 years ago. Cause my, my son turns 10 this weekend. So it was, it was he was, uh, no more than two at the time. Uh, I had a little sleeve of three golf balls that somebody had purchased for me. And they're you can play with them, but the, I took them to be more decorative golf balls. They had a, the OU Sooners logo on there. And, and so I had them on display on my computer desk. And one day, uh, my daughter, she's two years older than my son. Uh, they got into my golf balls, ripped the cellophane off of them. And I come in and there's two golf balls. The third one, to this day, I don't know where it, where it ended up. <laughs> and I'm like... Thanks, guys. You, uh, I don't remember exactly what I, said. I basically said. Thanks, guys, for you know messing with my golf balls or something like that. And I'm frustrated. It's you know it seems silly now because it's just golf balls, but at the time I was frustrated. And as I'm walking away, Addison looks to Colby. She says, and she's serious as can be. Daddy's so happy that we got into his golf balls. Like The sarcasm was completely lost on them. And right that's, that's what I thought of when, when Reese did this this week. He's like, oh, oh, wait, that wasn't. Oh. She's not. Never mind. Didn't like that. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, well, thanks, Karen. And I, sorry, I forgot who you were there momentarily. <laughs> All right. This next one comes in from Alex in the UK. And he says... This was a great episode. Fusco really shone in this one. If we have more episodes with Fusco like this, I'll enjoy this season. I like how the surveillance in this episode was the machine's perspective rather than Samaritan's and Finch and Root's little bee story was intriguing. Every time Finch had to act nasty, it was maybe unintendedly funny. A nasty Finch isn't right. The machine's play was subtle, and Finch still has his morals. I also liked that this number wasn't relevant to the overarching plot and was just a standalone, save perhaps for Finch and Root's plotline.
1: Very nice, very nice. And uh, Doc H, this is the late-breaking Doc H uh, view of this. Uh, Very interesting. I am certain you guys will give Wingman a glowing endorsement this week. I've seen every Person of Interest episode at least twice, and I think that Wingman is probably my favorite. Wow. Wow. Even even more than Deus Ex Machina or Relevance. Hmm. Mm. That's very interesting. Or at least top three, along with last season's two-episode finale. Okay, well, okay. There, there you got that. My rating is 10 ill-gotten gains put to good use. <laughs> that's, a, that's a quote, yes. I like that. I have never liked... Insert any character here. More than in this episode, Root, nice. Reese, Shaw, Finch, Fusco, and even Bear, uh-huh. so quintessentially themselves or new selves this week. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting uh, perspective on that. Yes, they they were really and and Finch him himself and even not himself as Mister mm-hmm. uh, Egret.
0: Well, and this this show this season has done a, a very graceful reboot in a lot of ways, where it's redefined relationships, it's redefined characters, it's redefined the the enemy at large and the way that we interact and their everything has changed. I mean it, it was really almost a, a reboot of a show that didn't need to be rebooted but has kind of turned it into a in, in a stronger show in, in some ways so far. So yeah. I am glad If we've if done
1: it. you only like the you know, the procedural number of the week, you're not mm-hmm. gonna like this. And I know that I've been reading some forums where yeah they have uh, a lot of people like the show, but they are they are aware of people who, hey, it's not, you know, the the, the number of the week and stuff. They don't like the overarching mm-hmm. uh, sure. storyline, so they may not like that. But, I mean, it's not very often that uh, a network show with this much history can reinvent itself such, in such a, uh, a dramatic way. Yeah, know? yeah. Uh, so Doc continues, the uh, the comedy angle was through the roof. Between the kneecapping, speed-dating, fusco-bashing, shaw-sulking, and root-shooting... The best was seeing Michael Emerson get to flex his acting muscles, a la Ben Linus from Lost.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Even Bear was given an expanded range of wingman duties, interacting tactfully with Shaw. I recorded the show with the closed caption ring running, and something I haven't done since Fringe, I noticed that they actually put the Danish commands that Bear responds to in italics. And i a little aside here, yeah, I, I've, I've seen that before where, like, uh there was like some Polish people talking to each other on on this show and you know you mm-hmm. see you see their uh their words but in kind of in italics. I uh it says I guess so we don't think it's a misspelling. Okay, yeah. They were here H I E R and Zoek Z O E K. Here now this is me speaking. I took German in in uh in high school and college and now I can I can tell the Germans being spoken. I don't know what they're saying, but anyway, I do know that H I E R in German means here, H E R E in English. Okay. So, okay. Um, so sounds they're are homonyms there. And Zuck, so I, I forget it. I heard that a couple of times, but uh, I wonder what I can't remember what the situation was. Anyway, moving on. I also like the new precinct captain. There you go. That is overseeing our detective team. She blends well with the boys and seems like the genuine deal. And then it can only mean one thing. Besides being a prominent recurring character, she has probably also been planted by Samaritan in her current position to locate Mm. the machine. Think about it. Fusco was loosely associated with the machine, as was Carter, and were frequent operatives in its service. Samaritan is growing and may be learning what the machine has known for a while. That makes the precinct a potential touchstone location for a Samaritan fishing expedition, in case... Team Machine sticks his head out of its burrow. Hmm, very interesting, mm-hmm. In her defense, Fusco and Riley's, quote-unquote, Riley's new boss may not even know that she is a Samaritan mole. She may just be operating on good faith and has been labeled as exploitable if or when Samaritan finds Team Machine at this particular fishing hole. At least the captain didn't toss her badge and credentials in the trash can like we saw earlier in the season. and Anywho, have fun with this week's podcast if you want to... Run it long, ninety minutes or more. I'll certainly smile along as you do
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> we're approaching that. I don't think we're going to quite hit ninety, but uh, it'll be a little bit longer than it was last week.
1: Well, that was a, that was a good. Yes, um, yeah. The uh, it's interesting that about the uh, the new boss, the new um, chief over at the precinct there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she may be a Samaritan mole and not even know it.
0: Well, and it, it reminds me of a really interesting interview that IGN had with Kevin Chapman and it was a talking to him about this week's episode you remember that he had a love interest of sorts back in season two and her name was Rhonda. and oh, yes. they asked him about Rhonda because you know he was obviously getting some love action this week and you know who knows with they were he was off with a date with this new girl at the end of the episode so we could see his love interest in a in a recurring role at least somewhat recurring uh but he said that that girl Rhonda that he had a de- uh, back in season two was because of a uh, some an idea that he had pitched to the uh, the showrunner, and the idea that he pitched was that Fusco would finally find love, and then it would turn out that she was a plant by HR, and he would go to pick her up in the mm. she, in the second episode he would go to pick her up. Uh, the second time she showed up i don 't think it was going to be back to back episodes um, and and that, as he did, then Simmons would walk out, and there would be that that revelation that she had been gleaning information of from Fusco you know how long they had been together uh, for the purpose of h r but he said the people that watch this show look for everything and they analyze everything and they got on it immediately and they started tweeting and talking about, Oh, we don't trust her. She's an HR plant. (laughs) And so they had to ditch the whole thing. Huh? (laughs) Yeah. Oh man.
1: We're too, the, the, the person of interest fan base is just too, they're on top of things.
0: They really are. That's, and that's what I love about this show too. You do have to watch for stuff like that because anything is possible with this show. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so that, they they dropped that. Uh, so she's not really been, um, like he said, not, when's the last time I had a uh, a girlfriend? Oh, none of your business.
0: Exactly. When I, when he referred, yeah, I had a girl one time. Well, that's what he was talking about was Rhonda. Oh, okay. Uh, I got gotcha. you. So we got the nod to that in this episode. Well, thank you to everybody who wrote in this week. We want to hear from you for next week's episode. The deadline to send in your feedback is 6 p.m. Ap- it's six up. It's six p.m. It's at six <laughs> p.m. on uh, th- th- Thursday. You know what I'm saying? Uh,
1: Thank you, Daryl Darnello.
0: <laughs> six p.m. Eastern Time uh, on Thursdays. You can do that in a number of ways. You can call the Golden Spiral Media voice feedback line. That number is three zero four eight three seven two two seven eight. You can also go over to golden dot com slash feedback. And from there, you can either type out a written contribution, you can upload an audio file, or our SpeakPipe widget is hanging out on that page, and you can uh, use it to record a contribution that comes right to us. You can also—we've given it out a few times throughout the show, but it's—it's it's worth repeating for sure. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at p o i podcast g s m. P-O-I podcast G-S-M. Uh, you can follow me at Mardaryl. That's two R's, two L's. And Doug, yours is easy. It's just Doug Payton. With an A.
1: Not P-E-Y, P-A-Y.
0: I guess, yeah, I guess it's not as easy as I thought. And then, of course, the <laughs> official Golden Spiral Media Twitter is G-S-M Podcasts.
1: All righty, we have a little bit of uh, spoilery stuff. Not spoilery, pre- press release stuff for next week. Next week's episode is called Brotherhood. Mm. Reese's cover job as a detective at the NYPD becomes complicated when the young brother and sister he's protecting become targets of a gang investigation. So that's what's happening next week. We saw a little bit of that in the... uh, Did you watch the previews?
0: I did not. I got it turned off in time again.
1: All righty. Now, they they list the regular cast and the recurring cast. It's interesting. Last week and this week, they have listed... uh, uh Elias Enrico Calatoni as uh, as Elias and uh, James Hector as Minnie I don't know who that is but I think that's just uh, they could be recurring sometime maybe
0: so okay don't, so they don't had them build for for this week's episode too but they weren't in it so just because they're yeah. built for next week doesn't mean they'll be in it yeah
1: so that's that's there but the, the guest cast I imagine will be mm-hmm. but again nothing that jumps out at me here um but anyway it'll be written by it was written by it was already written. It's been shot on, you know, film and everything. Mm-hmm. Denise Tay, T H E. Okay. I'm guessing. And directed by Chris Fisher.
0: All right. I can't wait. Should be a good one. Yes indeed. All right, Doug. I think that is uh good time to put a kneecap in this episode.
1: Oh. It's gonna be it's gonna be on crutches for the rest <laughs> of its life.
0: <laughs> well, Doc H.'ll love it, I'm sure and hopefully you did too we enjoyed talking about person of interest and thank you for tuning in and uh, until next time i'm daryl and you know what doug i think i'm gonna head out and try to buy a brand new tracksuit oh
1: great purple i hope (laughs) yes and i and i'm dad i'm doug saying if your number comes up we hope there's a wingman in a suit watching over you remember eye contact